You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh, and if you encounter any holes, steer clear. And I'm Ari, and let's launch a probe into it. And today we will be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes The Child and Where Silence Has Lease. So the Batman's coming out soon. I know. I feel like we've been waiting for this movie for so long, and I'm so ready for it. <laughs> I've been waiting for it since Ben Affleck was going to direct it. And star in it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Matt Reeves is directing, right? I believe so. It Didn't it change, or am I thinking of a different movie? Uh, I don't know what movie you'd be thinking of, but okay. Matt Reeves, he did the uh, he did the monkey movies. He did the, the uh, Planet of the Apes trilogy, which oh, were far better okay. than they had any right to be. Any right to be. I have watched that first one with John Lithgow way too many times. I really liked that movie. It was just fun. I, I think the second one, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, was probably one of the best war movies I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's a movie where you have a monkey guns akimbo on a horse, which should be the <laughs> stupidest thing. But I'm just sitting here like, no, why? can't you all just understand each other and not fight (laughs) i know i know i loved it so i'm looking forward to seeing his take on the batman i'm interested to see zoe kravitz as catwoman selena i'm pretty excited about that i'm not super sold on the riddler design i he just looks like a dude yeah Uh, i'm hoping he takes off that like big uh, overcoat and it turns out he actually does have the classic riddler outfit uh, (laughs) or, or some variant thereof i think they might be playing off of the gotham thing because i noticed when i was i was in the uh, funko headquarters store yesterday and they have some of the batman figures out already and they don't call him the riddler or anything they're calling him by his name edward nigma right nigma yeah yeah and so and same thing with oswald cobblepot so i don't know i have only watched oh is he in it apparently because there's a pop figure of him nice yeah okay well, I know the movie's going to be like three hours, so there's going to be, you know, a know. lot of Batman to have. I'm so excited. Yeah. Actually, when they cast Robert Pattinson as Batman, I was a little hesitant. I haven't seen him in a lot. Um, and what I have seen him in was Harry Potter and Twilight. So I, I hadn't seen much of his other work since then, but I understand he's done a lot of indie stuff and he's he's a better actor than the movies that he was in. So I agree. Um, yeah, because I don't even think he was all that bad as Cedric. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I liked him as Cedric Diggory, you know? I don't know. And I when people were, like, losing their minds about him being cast, I was like, yeah, but everybody loses their minds about every Batman that gets cast. I laughed my ass off when Ben Affleck was cast. I thought that was the funniest thing I had ever heard in my life. And now I think he's one of my favorite Batmans. He is my favorite Batman, I can openly admit it. I don't even like those movies, but I like him as Batman. He, because I always I have had this thing since I've been watching, so I, I have been watching, but even before I was into comic books, I was watching Batman. Much like I watched the original series, I watched the original Batman show with my mom, because she really liked it. And um, so once the movie started coming out in the 90s and stuff, I really liked it, but I have always felt like one actor could do batman really well but they wouldn't do bruce very well and you know what affleck did he did both he was a very Mm -hmm. good bats and he was a very good bruce and that made me happy you know and i think robert pattinson can probably pull that off too but we'll have to wait and see i think what sold me on the film in the trailer it was it was a subtle thing it 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 showed me that matt reeves cared about it Mm -hmm. and that he cared about it made me be like okay but it was the shot where he's got the cowl off and he has the grease paint around his eyes. Because right. every single Batman wears 
uh, black mascara so that it, their their skin doesn't pop out from the eye holes and it's just the eyes. <laughs> but every single movie, when they take off that cowl, the eyeliner magically disappears and it's just no makeup. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's wrong. He should look like Ollie Queen from season one of Arrow. He, he really should have should. the grease paint on there. <laughs> yeah. Did you like the original or not the original, but the last trilogy that we got the um, the Batman Begins trilogy? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I mean, everybody likes them. I thought the third one kind of uh, didn't stick the landing. Yeah, but the Dark Knight is still like the gold standard for comic book movies. Dark like, Knight is very good. I didn't like the first or the third, but I liked Dark Knight. Um, I didn't like the first. It's three different movies in one. Like, you, it, it's too long. There's these long bits where you go away and then you come back and then plots come back. I don't know. I I couldn't get into Batman Begins and then. I got into Dark Knight, and then I was a little bit disappointed by the third one. Like I think everybody was, you know. Yeah, the Dark and- Knight works though as a as a standalone film. Like if you haven't seen Batman mm-hmm. Begins, you're fine. You can just go in and go, okay, he's Batman. I know who Batman is. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, because of that, I'm really excited to see where this new series goes. I'm a huge DC fan girl. I have been since before the MCU existed. The MCU pulled me into the Marvel fandom, and now I'm a giant Marvel fan too. But I wasn't until the MCU started happening because I kind of had taken the DC side of the DC versus marvel fight <laughs> uh, yeah i i don't really get the fandom rivalries like i like both dc and marvel i don't either like like to me as a kid the fandom rivalry ostensibly was star wars versus star trek but i liked them both i'm like why do i have to pick i mean if i have to pick i'm picking star trek um right just because there's more of it and i'm more I- invested in it but i like both i don't I don't want to have to say one's better than the other. Why should you have to? Why, if you like one thing, should you have to hate the other thing? That's how I feel about DC versus Marvel or Star Wars versus Star Trek or any of them, really. Like, why do you have to hate the other thing just because you like the one thing, you know? <laughs> let people like what they like and, and let more media be made. That's good for all of us. Exactly. So today we're going to talk about The Child, which is the first episode of season two. It first aired on the 21st of November, 1988. That's a really late start date um, for for, for fall start show. Um, Written by Jaron Summers and John Pavel and Maurice Hurley. And it was directed by Rob Bowman. The cinematography is kicked up a notch. Oh my goodness, so much. Yeah. Like it's I wrote in my notes they're showing off their bigger budget. Like but it because they had that whole opening shot with like coming into the spaceport or whatever they were doing with like all the uh-huh. different ships and stuff. I don't know. I thought I was like, wow, look at them. They got more money. <laughs> yeah, they're showing off. The engineering set looks a lot better. It's got a lot more like dynamic lighting. The sound design and engineering is better. You hear the the engine thrum a lot more. Mm-hmm. And now Jordy is the chief engineer and he's sporting the gold outfit and he's got a full second pip. So he's full lieutenant now. Oh, I didn't notice the pips. That That's a good catch because I did not catch the pips. And uh, now that Jordy's chief engineer, we don't have to keep cycling through them, and we get more use of the engineering set, because that's a great-looking set. He does have big pants to fill. I mean, Argyle was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Argyle did have the distinction of being chief engineer in, like, two episodes. Like, yeah, and that mentioned w- in a third, I think. <laughs> I know. Um, so the plot here was was pretty simple, right? Deanna gets pregnant 
by a sparkly alien. They have yep. to pick up some plague samples, and then the plague samples keep growing, and they can't figure out why. And it turns out it's Deanna's baby. Yeah, that's pretty much that's uh, the it. plot, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I felt like the plot wasn't really there to be a plot in this one. It was more like, here we are, we're back for season two. Let's show you what we're gonna do. And um, let's see, let's talk about other changes. So Worf is also spotting the gold uh, uniform. Oh, I had not tracked that his uniform color changed. I was too busy staring at his new bandolier, at his scarf thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, that got a massive upgrade. It's now like a a, a chain mesh instead of just a um a fabric. I think it looks better. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a big like, oh my god, that's different. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot more gold on the show now. But uh, also uh, a big change is uh, Riker's got the beard. I know. I wrote in all capitals, and it took up two lines of my notebook. It says the beard. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was so excited, and then when I saw him with the beard, I was like. Okay, maybe Riker was giving me small feelings before, but I might be having more feelings. For it's a good look now. for him. It is. It is. Also, it's funny. Just in this, the the first episode, I'm noticing. I'm like, it's not filled out yet because he was he only grew it like during the three month break between seasons, and and then because uh, mm. he just got he got lazy and he was just like, I'm, I'm I don't have to film. I'm not going to shave. And then he came back for like rehearsals, and Gene's like keep that let's give let's give you i a think he cut. looks much better yeah. Oh, yeah i mean i think it just makes him look older and like a little bit more authoritative like he's a second in command of a starship exactly yeah exactly yeah um wesley's sweater changed um into a half sweater sweater shoulder pads what are we calling that look <laughs> i want to call that the acting ensign uniform um he's got a com badge now too yeah he didn't before right yeah i don't think he had one before but did okay. you notice the com badge also is silver not gold oh i did not notice that yeah so he's got his whole thing other changes um we have a new doctor and i did not warn you about that you did not and i hate her so much <laughs> How long is she around? Please tell me she's going soon because she's got to be evil. She's only here for a season. Oh, no, the whole season? She's here for the season. It does uh, Bev come back? Or yes, am I no but, Beverly for all of second season? Uh, for all of second season, you are no Beverly. Ah! And, yeah. See. Oh, God. You, you don't understand. My notes are full of hate for this doctor. <laughs> I, I deliberately chose to withhold that from you because you told me your three favorite characters were Wesley... Tasha and Beverly and I'm oh like well God. I've already told you that Wesley and Tasha uh, <laughs> leave the show at some point so if I tell you that Beverly's gone you're just gonna quit the podcast I think it just like physically hurts like my chest hurts like a whole <laughs> season <laughs> okay but at least at least they gave me Whoopi Goldberg and I am in yes. love with that character I am like Diamond the second she started talking I was like Oh my gosh, I love her. And then yes. she, and then the advice she gives Wesley. We'll talk about that when we get to that part. But if yeah. I, if I have to lose Bev, at least I got. Is it pronounced Guinan? Guinan, yeah. I got Guinan. Yeah, I love her so far. Do you think it's a part of Wesley's like contract that he has to have a sweater in some shape or form into his outfit that he has those weird sh- shoulder pads? <laughs> like he always has to have like knitted material of some sort on his uniform at all times. It's weird that he's the only one that has that like sweater material built into his uniform. Actually, it's um the uh the pleated um sweater top uh that he's got. That's kind of the design that they go with for like the TNG movies. Okay. You know the 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 gray top with the the colored undershirt. 
Yeah, it, it looks very similar to that. I'm wondering if they 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 took his shirt as a as a design. Uh, oh, maybe they did. So does that mean the rainbow sweater's gone forever, and now he's always going to be wearing that grayish blue outfit? Um, the rainbow sweater, I think, was only in season one. At, at some point, uh, he's going to just switch to a regular Starfleet uniform, right? But uh, I think for this one, he's you know R.I.P. Rainbow sweater. And then uh, we've got uh, Dr. Pulaski, who I know you hate, um, and that's a pretty common opinion held among Star Trek fans. A lot of them do not like her. The way I see it is, you know Beverly's coming back. So Yeah, if, if that was it and Gates McFadden was just gone, I would yeah. be very upset. <laughs> uh, so knowing that she comes back, instead of spending the whole season just hating Pulaski, give her a chance. Okay, because I kept expecting her to be the evil in every episode. <laughs> Treat her as a guest star. There are issues that I have with her character. She's very obviously supposed to be a female Bones. Okay. Um, yeah, She's I can see that. got that ornery attitude to her, and it, they're trying to set up a Spock-Bones rivalry between her and Data that never works, because... Because she's rude? Well, Bones was rude, but in That's the original true. series, Spock gave as good as he got. Like, when Bones was rude, Spock was rude right back. Like, they had a friendly ribbing of each other. But when Pulaski treats Data as an it, mm -hmm. and... Uh, mispronounces his name, and when he corrects her on the pronunciation of his name, she's like, oh, do you have a bruised ego? She, it just comes across as bullying. It comes across, like, she is She is enjoying that she hurt this android's feelings. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it, yeah, I know. I'll, but I will. I will try to give her a chance, knowing that Bev is coming back, because that's, because if she's going to be here for the whole season, I don't want to just hate her every second she's on the screen. You, you won't know? have a fun so, time if you do that. Yeah. Uh, the actress for her, Diana Muldar, was actually on a couple episodes of the original series. I'm pretty sure she smooched Kirk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, so she's one of the first uh, TOS actors to come back for The Next Generation. I think we really only have a few of those. I mean, we had McCoy come back. And there was that very old Ensign lady. Yeah, but um, there's not a whole lot of crossover. I mean, we have other original series characters making cameo appearances later in the, in the, in the series, but not a lot. So she's basically like... Yeah, I was on the original series. Now I'm here. Speaking of the original series, isn't the computer Nurse Chapel? Yes. How come it was a man at one point in this episode? I noticed episode? that. <laughs> yeah, when they were in the cargo bay working on the um, the virus containment module, there was a male voice, and that was the only time I can think of that the, the Enterprise computer had a male voice. Well, it took me off guard, because I was like, what? <laughs> Maybe the cargo bay operator just changed his personal settings. <laughs> <laughs> like when you choose British male or British female and all your friends are in your car and Siri's like, turn left at the next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's no reason that the Enterprise voice has to be one specific voice. It's right. like Alexa. She can change. Well, I mean, if Bev's got to be gone, this is just something I remembered. At least she's like head of Starfleet Medical. I was glad she got this huge like promotion up into something cool i just wanted to say that while i'm hating on pulaski i would like to redirect your hatred from pulaski to the people who actually deserve it for beverly not being here this season okay so what is the reason uh, gates mcfadden was fired at the end of season one what <laughs> and the reason that they the producers gave was that she was difficult to work with and by difficult to work with, they mean her acting experience to that point had been mostly in theater. And uh, working in theater, everyone is used to voicing their opinions on things. Right. And uh, collaborating. And 
So she just thought that she was going to get to do that here. And and people did not really like that a woman was having opinions on, on a set. So they fired her for no reason. And then obviously yep. realized their mistake and bring her back. Yeah. All right. Another change that I saw was that Deanna's hair was down in both episodes in the pretty way that I really like when it's down and curly um, yeah. instead of up in the in the top bun or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that was just a season one hairdo. Good, because I think she looks a lot more natural with this hair. You know, I'm a guy, so I don't have a strong memory for for hairdos so then you don't want to talk about how i think her makeup also changed because <laughs> i think the way they did her makeup slightly changed she looked softer in the face but i thought maybe they were doing that because they were trying to make her out to be a mother right giving her that that uh, the the motherly glow oh 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 so i noticed something in this episode yeah there's a producer on the show named burton armis burton armis armis killed tasha yar <laughs> Huh. Yeah. I forgot. I, I I even I was gonna text you and I forgot to text it to you, but his I, it was on both of these episodes. It said the produce it said produce producer blah blah Burton Armis. And I tend to read uh the titles when they're running, but I'm also usually taking notes when I'm watching Star Trek, so I don't know if he's new or not, but I was like, Well, that seems like a weird coincidence. <laughs> the the name rings zero bells to me, so <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. I was pretty excited when I saw that. I was like, haha, now we know who really killed Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene where the, I called it a wistie because it looked like a wistie again, mm-hmm. like the other thing from last season. But the, the, so at the very beginning, the wistie goes, is like flying around the ship and then goes into Deanna's room and impregnates her. Um, and it really reminded me of that scene from Star Wars episode two, <laughs> where Natalie or I guess Queen Amidala is sleeping in the other room. And um, it's a trap that Anakin oh, thinks he right, set for like right. the bounty hunters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like his head turns and he looks and then Obi-Wan's like, I sense it too. Like that. Yeah. It really reminded me of that scene a lot. And I wondered if like Lucas did that on purpose or not, but I thought it was no. funny. I, I I I strongly doubt that George Lucas was like I'm was going to reference TNG. the first episode of the second season of TNG. I wanted it to be a reference so bad. Um, you, you want everything to be a reference. I know I do. And in um, particular, you want it to be a 2001 reference. I do. Oh yes, my very first note of this episode is this music is very 2001 music. <laughs> <laughs> it was though. It was like kind of classical with like the bomb 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 type drum drums. I think that was what reminded me of it. Uh, when Deanna finds out she's pregnant, uh, well, it turns out the pregnancy is developing super fast. Yes, it's reverse Benjamin buttoning. I really liked the scene uh, when they're discussing it. Like, you know, Picard's called the senior staff meeting uh, uh, to, to talk about Are we going to talk about Riker? Please tell me we're going to talk about Riker. We're going to talk about Riker. But I, first I want to talk about how just the way that it was blocked and how they have Deanna sitting at the other end of the table, away mm-hmm. from everyone else. No one's sitting near her. And everyone is discussing what to do about this potential alien intruder. Not talking to her, just talking about her. About her, while she has to sit there and listen. And the camera focuses on her face and her reaction. And they even have discussions about, you know, should we abort it and, and, and stuff. And I'm just like, you should... You should probably ask Deanna. It's her body. And she even, you know, after like, you know, Worf. And I mean, I think Worf has 
reasonable concerns. Like, if mm-hmm. an alien presence just suddenly showed up and impregnated somebody, I would say, well, okay, th- that's a rape baby, for one. And it's growing so fast, we don't know what kind of threat it could pose to the ship. But it is ultimately her decision. It really so- is. And I that was highlighted without being an overt, like... I just, I thought it was good. I do have in my notes, say aborted one more time, Worf, because he says it so many times. But they're focusing on her face while he's saying it. And I really liked that the focus was on her. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that was like, where is this going? Is this going to turn into like some sort of like, uh, you know, anti-abortion episode? <laughs> like, I was concerned for a moment. I don't think it was. I think, um, I, I actually think it's a rather pro-choice episode. I thought uh, it was, too, especially when she, but at first, when they all started talking, my, my heart was a little bit like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> you know? It is still 1988. Yes, and now let's, uh, let's talk about Riker's reaction. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> his first reaction is, uh, baby like he can't possibly believe this would happen and he says something like this is a surprise and it's just like oh bill honey and then he goes <laughs> i don't mean to be indelicate but who's the father i know i i wrote i don't mean to be indelicate but who you doing <laughs> <laughs> he's like who on this ship is is deanna hooking up with and yeah he was so jealous like there was it felt like jealousy, right? Was it jealousy? It felt like jealousy. I think it was shock. I don't think it was jealousy, but it is Did you a, a, think for a moment he thought maybe it was his? Do you think they were maybe screwing around behind the scenes cuz I also thought that might be part of it? No, I think gauging his reaction, it was very obvious that it could not have been his. Okay, that's what I um, well when they said last night, then he was like, "Oh, okay, I don't mean to be indelicate, but I think at first he was like doing the math in his head." <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe he thought it was his. <laughs> so Deanna gives birth like a day later, a completely painless delivery. And according to Dr. Not Crusher, it's half betazoid, half human, even though it would be a quarter betazoid, but okay. Well, I mean, genetically, it's half betazoid, half human, because it was a, an energy being that magically created the, the being, so it copied Deanna's genetic material. Like, uh, the kit is basically a, a kind of parthenogenic clone. But uh, she gives birth. She names him uh, Ian Andrew after her dad. And then says that the labor didn't hurt at all, which, you know, makes everybody become concerned. Um, But yet, while she was claiming it didn't hurt at all, she was panting and barely able to make words. So I was concerned about that. I mean, I'm sure she's still feeling things down there. Um, (laughs) It's just not painful. Data was really sweet in that moment. Oh, he was. Yeah. And, and, and she's like, no, I'd, I'd be happy to have Data here with me. And Pulaski has to make a dig. He's like, are you sure? I think you need a human touch. And and she's like, I, I, I'm fine with Data. I also, um, they brought in security. You know, it's a reasonable concern. But I also like how Riker is just standing out in the doorway. Peeking in. He knows Data's there. And she's like, no, she's taken care of. I just, I want to make sure she's okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to hang out here. Yeah. I laughed and said, I, you know, I guess the real father showed up anyway, because the doctor made some snide comment about, well, most fathers are at the birth, which I thought was a weird comment for 400 years in the future, where women might be making choices to not have 
births with men involved you know uh-huh. like i have several friends who have had children without a dang man involved at all so i thought it was a very weird comment that she's not used to delivering babies without the father being there but then the father was there anyway <laughs> yeah she's written as a female bones uh, and you know bones was always an old-fashioned kind of a guy you know he didn't want to be teleported he doesn't like all this newfangled technology yeah. he thinks you know some sometimes uh what you need is a swift in the ass so uh, maybe maybe it's a little bit of that a, a little bit of uh old folksy paternalism yeah i could see that i think she might have worked better as a character as a man to be honest because if she's trying to be a bones like some of the things she was saying i was like but you're a woman too lady you know i don't know I'll, maybe she, maybe I'll get over it and I'll like her more later. <laughs> so the pregnancy isn't the only thing that's accelerated. Ian grows at a rapid rate. Which we were all expecting, right? Yeah. Like I was expecting it. When they came in the room, I was like, well, he's going to be like 10 years old. Yeah, exactly. And he grows up into the spitting image of Steven Universe. <laughs> he does the spitting image of Steven Universe. I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, believe in Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the show, but uh, you texted me that and I was just like, oh my God, he does look like him. Uh, (laughs) He's able to speak and everything. and Yeah, in a really, really creepy way. He looks at the people and says, please don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. And I was like, oh, come on, kid. Like- <laughs> so it's it's obvious that the being that impregnated her is Ian and still retains the sentience from before becoming Ian Mm -hmm. isn't explaining his uh, presence here, but he doesn't seem hostile. He doesn't. And at first I was mad at how maternal Deanna was being after having been pregnant for 20 hours and then had a kid for another 24 or whatever. All of a sudden she's like a soccer mom and taking him to daycare and stuff. And I was like, okay, she's empathic. This is weird. And I was like, but then I was like, okay, wait, no, this is Deanna. I have to think about her as like a betazoid, not as a human. She can feel the intentions of the child, feel the intentions of this kid and bringing him up and everything. And I was like, okay, so she can feel that this thing isn't malicious. Otherwise she wouldn't be treating it like it's her child yeah and that's gonna be most of it for that part let's uh talk about the b plot and that'll wrap back around to it so the enterprise is transporting the latest samples from the uh the gain of function research at the wuhan laboratory (laughs) yeah they're 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 just making some plague potions over there i wasn't 100 sure what was going on but they were making they were transporting bits of the plague yeah it was like a virology lab where they were deliberately doing gain-of-function research like i I, you know i said the wuhan thing but like that's literally what they were doing is they were making it more potent um you know i think in order to synthesize better vaccines for uh, other versions of the disease oh Uh, but it also means you have to make sure that this is well contained otherwise you know it could wipe everyone out because it's such a potent virus as they're transporting it, they discover that the virus is actually growing inside the containment unit, and they, there's nothing that they can do to stop it. And they can't just jettison it, because if the pod goes and hits a planet, it'll spread the disease on the planet, or if another ship picks it up, it'll spread it to what them. What about into the sun, though? Yeah. Couldn't they just find the nearest sun and throw it? My husband was sitting here going... Can't they just throw it into a sun? <laughs> you would think that they would think of that, but they didn't. But it turns out that they, they are able to isolate what's causing the growth, and it's a certain kind of radiation 
that they're able to identify as coming from Ian. The first second that they say it's growing at an exponential rate or whatever they said, I was like, oh, it's Steven Universe. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ian realizes that he is endangering the ship. Mm -hmm. And so he dies. Yeah, he just dies. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, I must be going now. I mean, I guess he doesn't really die. He kills the human form that he created to experience humanity through making Deanna pregnant and then yeah. flew off into the wilderness of the space. But still, I thought it was an interesting sacrifice for Ian to choose to make for himself. Um, I don't know. I liked these aliens because they weren't male they weren't malevolent. Mm -hmm. I think he probably should have asked Deanna before impregnating her if he wanted to experience True. humanity. Yeah. Like, Yes, yes, that absolutely. Part, that really bugs me. But uh, other than that, he did not have hostile intent. And when he turns back into the Wistie, he goes into Deanna's hand and they have a psychic conversation and she smiles and cries. Mm -hmm. And then it just flies off into space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what. Yeah, it was. In, I mean, yes, I agree. Like, because the, the pregnancy against her will thing, like, put me on edge from the beginning. But I decided after about 20 minutes to, like, just trust Deanna that yeah. she knew what she was doing. Because if she thought there was something evil going on with it, I don't think she would have become so maternal and so, like, protective and that kind of stuff. What a hard, traumatic thing to go through, though. All of a sudden, you're pregnant. And you give birth to a baby and you raise that baby and you take it to take care. <laughs> and like with puppies, then it's just gone. Oh, yes. I, I I wrote down they must have replicated up some puppies. Right. Because where are the puppies come from? No, they have real puppies. There are pets on the Enterprise. Oh, yep. well, because there was a cat one time, but that was a part of the story. Mm -hmm. I've never seen an actual pet, I don't think. Well, Picard's got his, his fish in the Oh, he does in, have the, the ready fish. Room. No, yeah. there, there are pets on the Enterprise. I mean, there's families, so of course you're going to have pets. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so before all that happens, though, there is that, that lovely, lovely conversation between Guinan and Wesley that I really, really liked. Um, Guinan always gives the best advice. The um, underage kid hanging out in the bar was weird oh, but don't don't worry they're they're not serving alcohol what they're serving is synthahol which has all of the uh the positive effects desired from alcohol but can be willed away with a thought oh and so i'm good it's with totally that. fine and also i don't think wesley's drinking like they serve up the shirley temples there too it's fine yeah because he ends up having a souffle or something but like she asks him three times if he wants something to drink and he's uh -huh. like you keep asking me and she's like don't you do always do what's expected of you hint hint wink wink and i was like "Ooh, that's she interesting. always yeah. drops these just wonderful nuggets of wisdom and my favorite one she said was give yourself permission to be selfish i thought mm -hmm. yeah life advice from from the star trek bar <laughs> also i i love 10 forward um oh yeah so what does 10 forward mean so uh it's deck 10 forward of the ship it's basically the absolute front of the ship and it's a a lounge uh you know um and, and it's so integral to like the dna of star trek that it's weird that it wasn't in the first season because I just that's where like people go when they're off duty. Uh, you know, people do concerts there. People have birthday parties there. It's, you know, so it's, it's the, the chill spot. out place. Yeah. yeah. 
Kind of like how when you when the in Battlestar Galactica when you meet Starbuck and they're like hanging out playing like poker poker that it sets that like yeah we're not always on the bridge we're not always fighting something and we do need that in the Enterprise so it's nice to see that it's here I didn't know that it was really missing until it was there and now I'm like yeah why haven't we had a place like this we've had the holodeck but that's the closest yeah. We I, I we didn't really get a proper sense of the community of the ship in the first season, I feel like. It felt like the Enterprise was the bridge, and then occasionally they'd go to engineering, and it was just, you know, ten people. And sometimes into people's <laughs> individual rooms. Right. That was, like, the closest that we got. But you talked about the cinematography being different, but, like, I think the whole feel of it was different. Like, season one feels like we're making... A Star Trek, the original series reboot in 1988. Uh This, these two episodes felt a little bit more like we're our own show now and we're going to show you that we're our own show now. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like it was a lot stronger, like it was coming on better, like footing than the first season, but had the whole first season there to kind of like set it up. You know the characters, so here's them when they're not on duty. Here's them doing other things, too. Um, And let's talk about Guinan, because just immediately they set her up to be a mysterious person, because, you know, Wesley's talking is like, oh, people have said all these things about you. They say you're really old and that you've known Picard forever. And she's like, nope, I I, uh, met Picard when I came on the ship. And uh, then she didn't answer any of his other questions. Yeah. I know. I, I wrote, oh, there's a mystery here. I'm excited to see if we ever find out. I'm sure we will, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, she's around mm-hmm. for a long time. Does she go to a different show eventually? Is she on Deep Space Nine? Uh, no. she uh, She's only in TNG, although she will be showing up in season two of Picard. She was in the trailer for that, and she's oh, in okay. two of the movies. But uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg was friends with uh, LeVar Burton. And when okay. he told her that he was going to be on Star Trek, she's like... Talk to the producers. I want to be on that show. Mm-hmm. And after the first season, she never got a call. And so I think like she went up to Jean Broddenberry. She's like, you know, why did nobody ever reach out to me? I told LeVar I wanted to be on the show. And Jean's like, you were serious? Because <laughs> she's a pretty big movie star at this point, right? Because like Ghost and like all this yeah. stuff has already happened. She has so. an Oscar for The Color Purple. Oh, um, The Color Purple. Yeah. How did I forget that one? Yeah. So... Yeah, like she is, she's at the height of her career at this point. And wh- why would she want to go do a syndicated sci fi TV show? And she's like, when I was a little girl, I turned on the TV and I saw Uhura on the Enterprise. Oh. And I went running to mom and I said, there's a black woman on TV and she ain't a maid. Wow. How powerful, right? And then she got to be in the show. Yeah. That's my new favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm all on board with her. I wasn't sure. What to think about her until this first episode. I knew she was coming. I knew she was a character. I've seen the movies a million years ago, so I've seen her be Guinan before. I just don't really... I remember, it wasn't she pretty pivotal in the Generations movie? Generations, yeah. She's a very yeah. important character in that. It's been so long since I've seen them. But yeah, I was really excited. Like I thought this. it felt like, oh, wow, they've really found their feet. And I know that we've joked about the beard and stuff, but I think it just it felt more, far less of like... We're remaking the original series in 1988, and it feels more like now we're making our own series. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. 
So the next episode we're going to talk about is Where Silence Has Lease, which is the second episode of the second season. It first aired on the 20th of November, 1988. It was written by Jack B. Sowards and was directed by Winrich Colby. So this has a fantastic cold open where it's like on the bridge and everyone seems really nervous and Picard mm-hmm. and or sorry and Riker and Worf aren't there and uh they're talking about it's like oh, is 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 Riker going to be okay and then we cut to the holodeck where uh Riker has joined uh Worf in his Klingon calisthenics program <laughs> which one in- of the lesser ones because you wouldn't be allowed to be in on his more personal ones <laughs> that's right <laughs> But Klingon calisthenics just means um, spawning some some orc monsters to uh, to kill. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And I love that monster design, especially the guy with like the the skull face. That looked so cool. And, I thought and- he was cool too. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what he reminded me of. He reminded me of something, but I couldn't think of what it was. He was like half orc, half skull. Like, um, yeah. And you get the feeling like the 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 makeup artists got to have fun because they're like, oh, this isn't a, an alien that we could create on the show, but because it's a holodeck program, Worf can just create monsters. We can just have fun and create a cool looking monster. Yeah, that's true. That's really what it felt like. Now I will say, because of the cold open and because of Worf saying there's an old Klingon legend about like a nothing monster, um, I thought the entire episode was going to be the holodeck. Really? I thought the whole thing was going to be one of Worf's things that he was doing by himself. So you thought it was going to be, a, it was an all a dream uh, style ending? I did, because it felt like it was set up that way. Because we have the cold open where Riker and Worf are in there. And then this nothing appears on the, on the screen. And then he talks about an old Klingon legend that, about a nothing. And then when they have to send an away team, they send who? The same two people who did the holodeck earlier in the episode. They send Riker and Worf. And I was like, this whole thing, is it, a, is it all a holodeck simulation? Nope, it was real. I thought I thought it was, and then when the sh- the episode literally ended, I was like, I guess it's not. <laughs> yeah, I spent the whole episode thinking it was. So the episode itself is they find a void in space. And they're like, oh well, let's take a look at that void, and then the void eats them. Yes, yeah, and then they have to get out of the void. Yeah, like they they <laughs> they they're like, okay, well we don't have any navigation, but let's see if we can get ourselves out of here. They travel for like a couple parsecs in one in a straight line and don't seem to be going anywhere so they drop a beacon then they head away from the beacon and then they're really stupid about the beacon they loop back (laughs) around to the beacon so obviously the void is just keeping them inside it um and then the void has a face then the void has a creepy baby face (laughs) i think it reminded me of a baby face because are you ready Mm-hmm. 2001 <laughs> because of the creepy baby at the end of 2001 which i still think is one of the scariest things that has ever ap- appeared in a movie is the creepy fetus baby looking down on earth at the end of 2001 and it reminded me of that so i kept calling it the creepy baby face oh actually before the baby face first they encounter a romulan ship that they're able to destroy with a single photon that leaves no debris so like okay so that was fake and then another galaxy class starship appears. Their um, sister ship. I didn't know that was such a there was such a thing as sister ships. Well, I, 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 any ship of the same class, I would imagine. I think there were like seven galaxy class ships commissioned, so the Yamato would be one of them. Um, it appears, but there's nobody on board. The and Worf and Riker beam over to investigate, 
but it turns out the inside of that ship is like non-Euclidean. Like they try to beam to the bridge, but then they end up in like the corridors, but then they just walk through a door that ends up being on the bridge. But like, wait, we're on like deck four. It should be on deck one. And then like one of them goes through a turbo lift, but instead of a turbo lift, it's another bridge. And there is only one Riker and one bridge. <laughs> yeah, Wor- Worf-, Worf starts getting very mad and like trying to rip open the doors and and, and getting very mad. And that-, that psychological turmoil played into my theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also because at the beginning of the episode, when uh, Worf had defeated the skull monster, like in his battle rage, he like was like turning on Riker. He was about to mm-hmm. attack Riker until Riker told him to stand down. So y- you get the feeling that Worf's a little bit of a rage monster himself and uh, is not fully in control when he gets into that mode. So Riker was like, you need to calm down, dude. Like, I I, I, I am not here for calisthenics right now. And then he has to pull the I'm your, you know, I'm your commanding officer buddy line, too. Like, he has to be like, hey, I command you to stop. Stop. Yeah. Oh, and uh, O'Brien is uh, the uh, transporter chief. I I think he was in the first episode as well. He was. I wrote O'Brien really big, but we never got around to talking about it. But yes, he was in both episodes, and he had lines, I think, in both episodes. Go, O'Brien. He had lines in both episodes, and he's the transporter chief. I I don't think they've given him his name yet. I don't think they've called him O'Brien yet, but he's, you know, he's running the transporter. Yeah. Um, And it took him a while, but he's able to beam them back. And once he beams them back, then... Um, the face shows up, and his name is Nagilam. He's like a, a higher form of life that is running lab experiments on them. He wants to see what these little humans are going to do when he does experiments on them, when he opens holes in the uh, void and sees them try to go for it, and then he closes them up and opens up another one elsewhere. Yes. Like, okay, yeah, you're toying with us. <laughs> because despite all their rage, they're still just a rat, a rat in, in a cage. cage. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've been waiting to make that joke. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and then Nagilam learns about death. Yeah. Right after he learns about women. Right after he learns about women and throws uh, Dr. Pulaski across the room. <laughs> but Diana's, Diana's standing right there. And he's like, oh, you're different than the rest of them, which once again makes me think she's the monster of the week. <laughs> and I'm like, but Diana is literally standing right there, space baby. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was so mad when he killed Haskell. Yeah. I was like, why did you have to kill Haskell? I understand you're studying death, you creepy base, baby, baby face, but why did you kill him? He was just sitting there doing his job. Picard's <laughs> response to Haskell's death is like just that line read has stuck with me forever. The we cannot allow you to do that. Yeah, it, there was a lot of like power behind the way he said it. I love that line. I, I love just the writing of the line. I love the delivery of it. It's it's good. It's good, it. and also, like, yeah. it, it's a little, like, you, Picard is trying to assert authority, but, like, there's nothing he could do. If, if, if Nagilam wanted, wanted to kill everyone, If that guy wanted to kill everybody could. on the ship, there's no stopping him. Yeah. Right. But it's still that, he's like, um, it's a moral claim. Morally, he cannot allow him to do this. Right. He also, well, I mean, like, morally, because it was on TV, when he asked them to demonstrate how men and women <laughs> make babies, <Yeah. laughs> I was like, sir, this is a family show. <laughs> like, they cannot demonstrate how that happened. <laughs> like, I thought that was funny, though, because he's basically like, well, why don't you just do it right here in front of me? <laughs> yeah. So he was, did he kind of remind you of, like, Q coming and meddling with them? But there was, like, less mystery. He was just kind of a malicious, I'm better than you kind of alien. 
I wouldn't even necessarily call him malicious. I think he just saw them as like ants, like, you know, scientists or like yeah. or lab rats. I mean, scientists kill rats all the time and, and they're not malicious about it. It's just they're running experiments and it's just rats. Right. Uh, he just, you know, doesn't afford them the same consideration he would afford someone of his type, even though he's able to talk with them. But once he learns about death, he's like, oh, I've got to I've got to find out. Uh, I, I need to study all the different ways that humans can die. And uh, well, don't worry, it'll only take like a, a third to a half of your crew. A third to a half. Yeah. Picard's like, new. No, um, I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. Uh, I'm just going to blow up the ship. Yeah, I was pretty excited about the self-destruct option. <laughs> It was, um, I didn't think I knew in a million years, obviously they weren't going to go through with it, but uh I thought it was an interesting choice. I don't know that that's the choice that I would have made. I don't Um, think it's the choice I would have made. I thought it was an interesting, like, let's go straight to the worst possible, like, answer. That that's like being given the trolley problem and your solution is to nuke the planet from orbit. (laughs) 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 No, I get it. Cause I felt the same thing, but I was excited to see them. Like, use the feature, the self-destruct feature. I I love uh, Pulaski's uh, uh, remark in the briefing room when he says that he's going to blow up the ship. She goes, "Uh, why do I get the feeling that this was not the time to join this ship? (laughs) I know. (laughs) That was one of the few times I was, like, endeared to her because I still thought she was going to be the monster. But I was like, yeah, you sure did choose a weird time. But every every episode is a weird time to join the ship. (laughs) Yeah. So they set the self-destruct for... 20 minutes and they even have a discussion on how long should we prepare to die for oh yeah so let's see okay so let's say it's you let's say you're on a spaceship and you have to self-destruct how long do you want do you want it to be do you want that 20 minutes of red alert while you know it's about to explode (laughs) or do you just want it to be like exploded I i want it to be instant I, don't I want it to be instant, too. Yeah. yeah, I felt the same thing. I, I thought it was, like, a pretty cowardly move to make people wait around for 20 minutes. <laughs> Although, giving it that 20 minutes does give Nagilam a chance to change his mind, and I think that's what right. Picard it was Right, it was important on. to the plot. If they had just immediately blown up the ship, it wouldn't have, you know, worked. And obviously, there was a couple times that um, Nagilam tried to, like, mess around with them. Like, there was a point where he's, John Luke is talking to a bunch of people and and i and data says jean-luc and i was like that ain't data both both, it was was troy and data came to riker's quarters after he set the self-destruct because they uh first deanna's like i don't know i i don't think i don't think you're making the right choice here and then data comes and asks picard what is death they have a brief philosophical conversation about it but then it turns out these are both nagilam he just created avatars of Troy and Data to try and convince Picard to turn off the self-destruct so that he can run his experiments. But right. Picard realizes it because, you know, they both call him Jean-Luc and he's like, mm, that kind of familiarity my officers wouldn't give me even if they're about to die. Right. So what happens if Deanna needs to go to therapy? Because she is the therapist. I do think she has a staff. I don't think she's the only counselor on the ship. We just usually don't see the others. So she probably So she's got has, like a team. Yeah, probably. So they're waiting. The the, uh, the the timer's ticking down. And then when it gets to like a minute left, the void disappears. And they're like, all right, well, let's uh, uh, warp six in any direction. Let's just see what happens. And, you know, the, there's no uh, 
evidence that uh, Nagilim is still there, but they want to make sure, and so, like, they wait until, like, ten seconds left on the clock, and then Picard shuts it down, and then the computer asks Riker to confirm, <laughs> and Riker's like, yes, absolutely, 100%, yes, 100%, don't blow us up! <laughs> and I thought that was going to be another tell that that wasn't Riker. I just, I they, they red-herringed me everywhere with this. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to trust. It's like, okay, well, yeah, the void's gone, but is it really gone? Is is he just toying with them? But I think Nagilam was like, all right, no, no, uh, it's not worth running the experiment if y'all are just going to suicide over it. Right, exactly, because he's not going to learn anything, and then they'd all just be dead. You yeah. know, this episode kind of reminded me of that episode of Doctor Who called The God Complex, Matt Smith episode, mm-hmm. um, where they're, like, trapped in, like, a hotel. It also has kind of shining vibes to it, and every room there's a room of your greatest fear and um, I loved that episode I've watched it so many times because I'll just go watch it as a standalone episode I think it's so good it's just really well written but it reminded me of that like they're trapped and they have to find a way out of the nothing right Um, and so that part reminded me of it and I kept thinking about it while I was watching this because really in reality this was a very interesting episode the first half of it was kind of boring, but once Nagilam shows up, like, all of a sudden you're like, what's happening? Are they going to win? How are they going to get out of this? Like, it actually had me interested in where it was going after kind of a lackluster first half of the episode. I thought it was a little slow. First half of the episode, you're like, well, this could just be random space events. Right. I don't know what's going on. Once once you can put a literal face to it, you're like, okay, there was intention in all of this. Right. The whole episode, everything in the episode was intentional. Whereas at, when you're watching it at first, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> like, you know? And I don't know if they gave me enough intrigue into like caring at first, but once DeGilem shows up, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then I'm like putting the first half of the, sh- the episode into it. And I liked it. I, I thought it was an interesting episode. Um, does Nigilum show up again? No. Oh, that's unfortunate. I thought he would because they said something like in the future or something, I think. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll see him again. When we're talking about omnipotent god beings, they're usually one-offs unless they're Q. Unless they're Q. Okay. That makes sense. Do you think Jordy's gotten more sassy? He had like he had the rat in the cage line and he said something else. He had a lot of these... quips. He did. He was very quippy. Yeah. Um, and so sassy, I guess, is the word I used. But like he's he's like instead of just being like, yes, sir, or whatever, like and that kind of stuff, he was more he had a person like more personality, you know, yeah, wh- one of his lines was keep the cheese. I just want to get out of the trap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I was I thought that was cool, too. And I liked that. Uh, yeah. Uh, at, at the end, once they're like they're clear, it's like, OK, they're they're gone. But then Picard's in his ready room and Nagilam shows up on his little laptop. Yeah. Just to have a, a brief, you know, uh, denouement where, uh, you know, they're Nagilam's just like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't actually remember what the conversation <laughs> entailed, but uh I don't either. I think it was just like, uh, see, I'm still here, even though I let you go. Like, I don't remember the conversation being all that interesting. (laughs) Oh, it was basically him giving his findings on humanity from his studies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because Q kind of seems like he's studying humanity, too, but specifically Picard, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When, I feel like we should probably be getting another Q episode soon. It ha- there hasn't been one in a while. Yeah. Yeah, we should be getting another Q episode this season. 
Okay. You say that like you know that there's one coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, of course I know what's coming. Uh, no, I I'm, I, I'm saying that with a smile on my face because I know the exact one. And, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> y- you're going to like it. Okay, well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Ari. And I'm Gayfesh. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash restofbothworlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.